It's the Son of a Butch podcast. We come to you every Wednesday. Uh, this week, we're trying out a question show. Ask for questions uh, up on my Instagram, and we're going to try and get to as many questions as we can. But before we jump in, let's take a moment to thank our friends at For Wellness. You guys hear me talk about them every week. Um, coffee, energy bites. Um, I've actually started bringing the coffee on the road and can get them in the, the Keurig cups and drinking that. But to me, the big thing that's been a game changer for me is the good stuff. Performance coffee supplement. What does that mean? It's just, you're not going to put bad stuff in your coffee anymore. I mean, that's what I was doing. I was going to Starbucks and getting lattes, milk, you know, dairy, sugar, all that. And I've pretty much ditched all of that. And, you know, coffee, little scoop of the good stuff. What is the good stuff? Um, it's got collagen, Himalaya sea salt, MCT. I mean, all stuff that's really, really good for you. And I've been taking the superfood energy bites with me on the road. Um, when you get that little crash on the golf course, um, it's definitely a healthier, healthier option to get a little bit of energy, um, not all the garbage and junk that all the other stuff has in it. And I'm a huge fan. They have made a special code CH3 for Son of a Butch listeners. That code will get you 20% off your order plus free shipping and a free starter kit worth $30 when you visit forwellness.com slash podcast. That's spelled F-O-R-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S dot com slash podcast and enter the code CH3 at checkout. I think it's worth it if you're a coffee drinker, if you're looking for a little bit of an alternative um, to what you've been doing coffee-wise and energy um, you know, on the golf course, things like that, give those energy bites a try out. But again, that's the code CH3 at forwellness.com backslash podcast. All right. So now let's get um, with a lot of really good questions. A lot of the questions... Um, I think a lot of people that are golfers want to know kind of how golfers practice, um, what goes into that whole process. And um, I had a lot of questions about you know, the work that I've been doing with Brooks. I haven't really talked about that. Um, started working with Brooks again um, about maybe a month and a half, two months ago. I was at the live event in Bedminster and um, he asked me for some help uh, on the Saturday night and uh, watched him hit some balls uh, for about, 20, 30 minutes on the, on the, on the Saturday night. And then on Sunday, he asked if I could get to the golf course, um, a little bit early before they teed off. And, uh, we did some work and, um, we've been working, you know, pretty much ever since, uh, I think everybody knows he, he, he finally got a win, which a couple weeks ago, which I think was really, really big for Brooks. Um, but I mean, the interesting thing is in, in this whole kind of PJ tour live stuff, um, you know, I worked with Brooks for eight years. Uh, I won four majors, bunch of golf tournaments, got to number one in the world. Um, and this is not propaganda. This is not spin. I have never seen him work harder in the last two months than he, I mean, he didn't work this hard, didn't practice this much, wasn't putting in this amount of time on his golf swing um, when he was the number one player in the world. And um, I think it's been really, really interesting to to, to watch um, just how dedicated he is. 
listen, I mean, Brooks, everybody knows the type of character Brooks is, right? I mean, Brooks has, um, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. Um, he's got, you know, a big, big ego, big persona. Um, and he didn't like the way he was playing golf. Uh, he didn't like the way he was performing. He didn't like the the shots that he was seeing on the golf course. Um, and, you know, full disclosure, we, we really hadn't even really talked. I mean, I, I guarantee you, and I got uh, let go by Brooks at the end of November, um, or right after the Masters uh, that DJ won in November. And up until the time that, that, that we kind of started working back together again, uh, we'd we didn't talk. We didn't spend any time together. So um, I just think that anybody that thinks that professional golfers, regardless of where they're playing, don't care, um, it's it's just not the case. And and Brooks is working as hard as I've seen him work. Um, a lot of what we did was just kind of getting back to basics. A lot of Brooks's problems, um, and this is something I think everybody listening can can kind of take to their own game. A lot of what goes wrong for Brooks happens before he hits the golf ball. Uh, my dad has always said that it takes no athletic or golf ability to set up to the golf ball, ball position, posture, alignment, all of those things. Uh, so when I, when I saw Brooks and I hadn't seen him really play in almost two years, uh, a lot of the changes that we made to his golf swing were, were setup related. Um, he had gotten the golf ball a little bit back in his stance which when he tries to fade the golf ball, which is the predominant shape that he likes to play, it's tough to fade it from that position. Um, the ball position had gotten back, which for Brooks always tends to get his shoulders a little bit on the closed side. Um, and as someone that likes to fade the golf ball, that's a tough fit when you're trying to hit a fade with the ball position back and your shoulders kind of close. His left arm tends to ride up really, really high. The right arm tends to get a little bit on the low side. And um, so a lot of the changes we made and and he was starting to aim a little bit, kind of a little bit too far to the right and his shoulders were getting a little bit open. So we kind of had the open stance to the right, open shoulders to the left, close stance to the right, ball position back. And even though I, he was trying to take the golf club a little bit more on the outside, which is where Brooks plays his best golf, because of the setup, because of the ball position and because of the shoulder position, he just couldn't get the golf club to go back in the in the right way. So as soon as we moved the golf ball a little bit forward, I actually had him feel like his shoulders were almost open, like the the right arm, the right forearm was higher than the left. Um, that wasn't the case, but it was an exaggerated feel. And it was funny, you know, I, I said, listen, get the ball position. We we're hitting seven irons. I said, listen, get the ball position a little bit more forward. Um, feel like your shoulders are more open. Um, aim a little bit more left. And we looked at some videos and we looked at some pictures. And I think he was he was blown away at at how strange that felt relative to what he thought it was going to look like. I mean, he thought the ball was going to be off his left toe. It wasn't. He thought his shoulders were going to be wide open. They weren't. But as soon as we were able to get the setup and what was happening before he started making a golf swing, it then was part of the domino effect that allowed the backswing to get into a better position. And that is one of the things that we've worked on. We've tried to get the takeaway to get 
more square, more outside. He was getting the golf club a little bit on the inside. Brooks has always played his best as a fader of the golf ball when the golf club works in front of him going back. Then the, the club works in front of him coming down. And then he's able to rotate and turn through impact. Uh, when When we started back together, his divot pattern was really, really deep. He was taking really, really deep divots. And his trajectory was kind of all over the place. He'd hit a high one. He'd hit a bullet low one. And he honestly he had a double miss. He'd have balls that would start left and go left. He'd have balls that would start right and go right. So we went back to some of the things that we worked on um, in the past. And one of the things that I, I worked on, that we worked on a lot, um, that I like to work on with players is, is where is the golf ball starting relative to what, shot you're trying to hit. So I had Brooks, you know, go ahead and pick out a target. And I said, okay, let's just hit me 10 balls that start left of your target. I don't care where they go, but hit me 10 balls that start left of your target. And let's just focus on where they're starting. Let's not worry about where they're going to go. Let's worry about where they're going to start. And if we can start them left of the target consistently, then we can start to manage the face because we know um, for Brooks, if he's starting the golf ball consistently left of his target, he's doing a good job with managing what the path is doing. Um, and the other thing that tends to happen when, when Brooks gets the golf ball back and the shoulders get a little bit closed at address, coming down, the path gets a little bit too neutral. And then Brooks can really, really kind of drag and drive the handle forward with for a lot of people, that's a great impact position. But for what Brooks is trying to do, that's the death move for him with all of his speed and his power because he basically just holds the face and just hits kind of what, you know, what I kind of term as kind of big block wipe cuts or he gets tired of doing that and he hits a snap hook. So as soon as we were able to get the path in a better position, he was also better getting into a better impact position. Brooks can also at times hang back behind the golf ball and get a lot of what we would call side bend where he's hit the left shoulder gets really, really high. The right shoulder gets really, really low. There's a lot of, you know, hang back and, and, and bending back to the right for him to try and start it online. Once we were able to get him to feel like the club was a little bit more in front of the body, get the club exiting a little bit more around his body to the low and to the left, then his shoulders actually start to turn a little bit more level through impact and they don't get kind of so kind of left shoulder high, right shoulder low. And and the divot pattern is the one thing that I noticed um, last week in Miami. The divot pattern is actually, he's actually using the bounce on, the, on, on, on all the irons that he's using and the quality of the contact, the contact between the club and the ball and the way the club is interacting with the ground has been basically what it was back in 2019. Um, I know Brooks wishes there was three or four more tournaments that he could play in um, because he's playing that good. His ball striking right now um, is on a par with what it was when he was number one in the world. And uh, the quality of the strike... The hit, Brooks has always had a very, very heavy, heavy hit to the golf ball. Um, so that's really started to come back. He started to drive the golf ball better. Um, he's starting to drive the golf ball further. Um, a lot of the guys that have played with him in the last month have come up to me afterwards and said, dude, this guy's hitting it as far as I've seen him hit it. Um, but to be honest, 
a lot of the changes that we made were all happening before anything happened with the golf swing. It was just the way that he was setting up to the golf ball. And it is something that that I think everybody listening could could take something from. Grip, posture, alignment, all of those things. They're not fancy, they're not sexy, but they have a dramatic effect on what's happening with the golf club and what's happening with your, your shots. So um, as soon as Brooks gets the golf club in these positions and starts to see the golf ball in practice, in his warmups, in his practice rounds, um, it gives him a tremendous amount of confidence. I mean, tour players, guys, are no different than, than the rest of us. Uh, we, we all play golf through confidence. If you're hitting a lot of fairways, if you're hitting a lot of greens, um, you're going to make better swings. You can get the golf ball and play off the tee, regardless of what your handicap level is. You can get the golf ball in a fairway, you're going to play better golf because your your confidence is going to go up. So um, it's been fun. Um, it's been fun to see kind of Brooks, um, you know, not. It's it's actually been fun to kind of see him get a little bit of the swagger back um, and have the confidence back. Um, because you know when I when he asked me to start you know helping him again, um, he had none of that. I mean, he had no idea where the golf ball was going. Um, he didn't have a, a consistent shape, and for him to get that shape back has been, you know, massive for him. Um, so I think we're going to see Brooks 2023 come back healthier, um, ready to go. And, you know, I think you're going to see him have chances to win golf tournaments, uh, regardless of where he is playing. Uh, big week last week for Pat Perez. Man, I mean, we did some big time overhaul uh, to his golf swing last week. Uh, he did not play good in, in Saudi Arabia, uh, especially the last, two days. He just, he just didn't have it. It was windy. He wasn't hitting it solid. Um, we were trying to cycle through a bunch of ideas and swing thoughts. Um, we got down to Miami. Um, we were there. I mean, they didn't play until Saturday and we grinded Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, pretty much all day. Um, so I was talking about Brooks, how Brooks likes to fade the golf ball when the golf club gets too much on the inside, he struggles. Pat wants to be able to draw the golf ball. So basically, um, all the stuff that we were working on, I was working on with Brooks last week, I'm working on the 180 degree opposite with Pat. We were trying to have him get the golf club to go a little bit more on the inside because one of Pat's issues is the golf club tends to go a little bit, he kind of has to where he addresses it almost in the heel and then on the backswing, the club almost goes a little bit on the out. And when that happens, um, it's not so much what's happening with the golf club on the backswing. Pat then on the backswing, his lower body starts kind of going towards the golf ball a little bit on the backswing. We call that early extension. I had a question about that. Can you you know, be a great ball striker if your lower body is getting closer to the golf ball um, on the downswing? Pat's always going to have a little bit of that move on the downswing because he plays very much um, as a lateral player. He doesn't have a lot of rotation in his golf swing. Um, so one of the ways that he has to draw the golf ball is he has to draw the golf ball by feeling like the, the backswing and the downswing are working really kind of inside on the backswing and then into out on the downswing. But by letting him or by having him feel like the golf club was going very much on the inside going back... His right leg was actually straightening a little, but it was actually helping his lower body not 
move out of the way, not move closer to the golf ball um, on the backswing. And he changed on Monday. He changed to a new driver, changed to a new shaft, and changed to a brand new golf ball. Um, and played really, really good um, on Saturday in the in the team competition with Taylor Gooch. And then on a really, really hard golf course, um, I don't know if anybody's played Trump Doral, but um, they call it the Blue Monster for a reason. It's a hard golf course. Um, it was blowing. Uh, the rough is really, really, I mean, the, the rough just buries. I mean, you hit a ball in the rough. In the practice rounds, we were struggling to find golf balls. So um, he shot two under. Um, I, I think there were only maybe two other guys that shot lower scores than he did. Um, listen, he's an easy punching bag uh, for a lot of the people that, you know, want that as their narrative. But I was really proud of the way he played last week. Um, and uh, it was a really, really solid performance. Um, I think he was really proud of himself. Um, and uh, he needed to come through. Um, you know, the way the team format works, uh, all four scores counted on Sunday. And, you know, Pat made a lot of a really good clutch par putts from five, eight, 10, um, 15 feet. Um, any of those putts don't go in, they don't win. And then um, he was finishing on the 11th hole. Ninth hole is a long, long par three. Water all the way on the right. Bunkers left. He stood up, hit it 15, 20 feet left of the flag, right in the middle of the green, pin high and hold the putt. He could have easily bailed out, hit it in the bunker, which a lot of guys were doing. Um, he could have rinsed one in the water, but he needed to stand up and hit a good shot. And he did. The 10th hole's par five. Um, the further, obviously, down you can get it, the better. And he said that he said to his caddy, um, H, been doing this on the range all day, every day, all this week. I've just got to stand up and trust it and hit a great shot. And I think that's something really, really important for everyone listening about that. Um, the mindset of standing up and trying to hit a good shot as opposed to trying to not hit a bad shot. And, and Pat said afterwards that um, he was really, 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 he was proud of the fact that he stood up and he said on both nine and 10, when it counted at the end of the round, at the end of the tournament, he hit the shots that he needed to hit. And partly, you know, Pat can have a really, really negative attitude at times, you know, really negative. And um, he stood up and he said on nine, he said, I didn't think about the water to the right. I didn't think about the bunkers to the left. I said, I'm going to start this at the flag and hit a little draw and try and get it in there about pin high. And that's the shot he executed. Standing on the 10th fairway, dogleg from right to left, water all the way down the left-hand side. So any miss that's left is in trouble. Any miss that's to the right is going to end up in the rough and you're not going to have a chance to get to the green. Same thing. Stood up, said that he focused on hitting a good shot, wasn't thinking about any of the negative things, wasn't thinking about the water to the left, wasn't thinking about you know the thick rough to the right, but stood up and made a really, really good driver swing. And he said, trusted it. He said, I trusted what I was doing all week. And I think that is so important for everybody listening to take to their own game, to take to the driving range. It's so easy to go into all of these shots and think about all the places you could hit them or all the places that you don't want to hit them, but to stand up and actually 
focus on hitting a good shot as opposed to trying to not hit a bad shot, trying not to hit it in the water, trying not to hit it into the bunker. It, you're not going to hit good shots when you do that. That's just, it's just not going to happen. Um, you know, negative thoughts in your head will make your body do things that you're trying to have them not do. It's the opposite. And um, I think it was a great example in watching um, those two shots of, of what being under pressure, but standing up and focusing on a lot of positive things as opposed to a lot of negative things. And um, lastly, Dustin Johnson. Um, listen, Dustin Johnson is playing some, I've worked with DJ for over a decade now, and Dustin Johnson is playing some of the best golf I've seen him play. Um, if there was a major championship next week, um, Dustin Johnson's going to be one of the favorites. Um, I think um, Brooks Kepka would be one of the favorites. That's how good they're playing. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of comments, no competition, weak fields. At the end of the day, last time I looked, um, you're not playing against the field. You're playing against the scorecard. You're playing against the golf course. So regardless of where you're playing golf, if, you know, I remember my dad once, um, he, I think he either shot 59 or 60. And um, I think it's one of the lowest scores he's ever shot, but it was a nine hole municipal course that he played twice. And somebody said, oh, well, you know, I mean, doesn't really, can't really count if you're playing, you know, the same nine holes. And he's like, still have to hit all the shots, right? And regardless of what people's opinions are about live or what you're, you know, what side you're on, um, Dustin Johnson is playing some of the best golf right now that I've seen him play. And the guy's been the only two people that are num been number one in the world longer than, than DJ are tiger and Greg Norman. That's it. Um, and so if I'm telling you that the guy's playing some of the best golf I've ever seen him play, um, I think you should believe it because he's hitting the shots. Um, he's driving the ball as good as I've seen him drive the golf ball in a very, very long time. Um, his wedge game has really, really come back. Uh, really, for the last two years, he's driven the ball like shit, and he's, his wedge game's been horrendous. Um, and he'd admit that. And, you know, he's been putting in the work. Um, and I think partly for DJ, and again, this is something that everybody can listen to, it's confidence. You put, you know... In the eight events that, that DJ played on the Live Tour, he had 14 rounds in the 60s. Um, he was playing like the Dustin Johnson that was the number one player in the world. Um, and, you know, I think the way he played um, in the last eight tournaments, um, it gives me a lot of confidence moving forward uh, with where his game is at. And um, I know I keep saying this, but confidence is so so big for these guys and you just don't you think that all of these guys you know that you watch on tv the girls on the lpj tour um, wherever players are playing golf you think that everybody is just hugely confident and has a hundred percent you know control of what they're doing and you know most of the times it's not like that um but it's been really fun um to watch dj play um to watch him drive the golf ball the way he's driven it um it's it's been a lot of fun um, 
a lot, a lot of reps with DJ. Um, DJ's warmups, I've talked to the, about this before. Um, he's about an hour and a half. Um, so he's hitting a lot of balls in his warmups. Um, and he sometimes, every now and again, you know, in a round, you know, we'll get to get about 20, 30 minutes before he tees off and he'll say, you know, I just felt something. And I actually always think that it's really, really good when a player that I'm working with, especially at the, at the tour level, if they find something or feel something on their own that I'm not telling them, that they, as the player, are able to go, you know, I felt this. And it, I always kind of like it when it's in a way that I'm not telling them to do, right? I, I kind of like that when a player says, you know, I kind of felt, you know, and they put what they're trying to work on in their own words as opposed to, just me telling them what to work on. And DJ does that a lot. I think DJ probably does that more than, you know, any player that I've ever been around because believe it or not, he is the ultimate field player. You wouldn't think so the way he plays golf because his strength is speed, power, dominating with the driver. But DJ is very, very much a field golfer, a field player. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been fun to watch the way that he has played. It's been fun to watch the way that Brooks has played because when those two guys are playing at the top of their game, um, I don't care what tour you're on. I don't care where you're playing. Um, they're in that group of players with John Rahm and Rory McIlroy, um, the way Cam Smith is playing right now, the way he puts the golf ball, when Justin Thomas is in full flow, when Colin Morikawa is in, you know, has a... There are about 10 players in the world um, playing that when they're on, they're tough to beat. And, you know, Brooks and DJ are definitely two of those players. I'm looking forward to seeing what 2023 holds for them. And um, I'm excited um, to see how things go. Let's take a quick break. And we are back. Workout drills or movements for people that are on the road often. Um, listen, if you're traveling a lot and you don't have the opportunity to hit a lot of golf balls and stuff, um, and you've got your clubs with you, I think shadow swings in um, in your hotel room, especially now on the east coast of the U.S. with the weather getting bad um, in Europe, the weather is going to start to get a little bit rough for a lot of people. Um, hitting balls inside, hitting. Uh, making practice swings to where you're just making, you know, swings with the golf club. You know, the, the the things that you as the player are working on, if you're trying to get the golf club less inside, trying to get a feeling of the club going more, you know, outside. If you're trying to get the golf club more inside, if you're trying to get more depth, um, if you're trying to get more width, whatever it is that you're trying to work on in your golf swing, you can do that without a without hitting balls. You can work on it. Um, one of the things that I do with a lot of my students is if we are having them make a specific change or move in their golf swing, I would say, okay, go ahead and take a setup, no ball, and close your eyes and go ahead and make me a kind of Konica, Minolta, Bizhub, super slow-mo golf swing all the way up to the top and then a super slow motion swing all the way back to impact and then follow through. So you could do it in three stages, right? You've just got a golf club. You've got no ball. Take your setup. Close your eyes. Whatever you're trying to feel, the positions, the movement patterns, the things that you're trying to work on in your golf swing, do it with your eyes closed and say, okay, I'm going to make as 
much of a slow motion backswing as I can and go up to the top and stop with my eyes closed and just, what does that feel like? The eyes closed just kind of gives you that, you're not looking at what your body's doing. You're, you're kind of getting an opportunity to feel what your body is doing. Um, go up to the top, do that in super slow motion a couple of times, then go up there, go up to the top and stop. And then think, okay, I'm going to start my down. I'm going to start the downswing. I'm going to do this in as slow a motion as I can possibly do back to impact. And then do that a couple of times and then say, okay, I'm going to get back to impact and I'm going to stop. Okay. And now I'm going to do a super slow motion version of from impact all the way up to my follow through. And those type of slow motion golf swings can be really, really helpful. Um, practice swings. I mean, there are a lot of instructors that talk a lot about that. I know um, Hank Haney is a big, big um practice swing guy make as many practice swings as possible so if you are traveling um and you've got your golf clubs but you can't get to the range and you you can't hit balls making swings just whatever you're trying to work on those swings if you're trying not to get the golf club too far behind you on the backswing get up against a wall get your pockets of your shorts or your pants up against that wall and try and make some slow motion backswings. And the idea would be to have the club head not hit the wall behind you, right? If you were someone that was tr taking the golf club too much outside, take a couple of steps away from the wall and in slow motion, try and feel like you're going to get the club head to hit the wall behind you. There are lots of things that you can do that are just kind of mimics. They're no ball, but isolating whatever motion that you have, um, I think can be hugely, hugely important um, for a lot of, of golfers, especially um, now if you don't have the time and you don't have the weather to get out in practice. Um, what do average AMs have to do to get to the next level mentally? Um, I, I think that's a question that I get asked you know, a ton. And I think I touched on that earlier, um, you know, in talking about Pat um, Perez. It's easy to go to the range and, and work on your golf swing. I think a lot of people do that. Um, but I think thinking your way around the golf course is hugely, hugely important. Um, I was working with a, uh, a high school golfer today, just um, one regionals qualified for the state championships um, next week up in Orlando here in Florida. Uh, where they hold the state championships, Mission Inn, it is a very kind of funky, fiddly kind of golf course, right? Um, it's tight. Um, it can kind of make you feel really, really claustrophobic. And I think one of the things golf courses like that can do is put you playing defense, right? And put you on the defensive. So what we did was we went through, we went to Google Earth. We kind of looked at, all of kind of what the holes were, kind of looked at, um, you know, got a scorecard off the internet, looked at, you know, what the scores were or what the yardages were. And basically we just kind of plotted his way around a tricky, difficult golf course. Um, and that's one way you can kind of change your mindset when you're thinking about going out and playing golf. It's your, if it's your home course, if you play a lot of times, Let's say you're going to, even if you're just going to go play casually, you know, if you're going to go play nine holes or eight holes, you're not playing in a tournament and say, all right, the day before or while you're having your coffee, go through 
your round and say, okay, what am I going to hit off the first hole here? Um, what do I want to hit? You know, where am I going to hit driver? Where am I going to hit not driver? What holes am I going to lay up on? What holes am I not going to lay up on? What do the par threes look like? Where is the easiest place on this green for me to, um, I've talked about this on the pod before. If you think about the first green at your club, if you just went down and dropped the ball in the middle of every green, right? Regardless of where they put the pins, how far away are they? Are you actually going to be from the hole? And that that would be a really cool thing to do, right? Is to drive out um, on your golf course, do it one afternoon, something, go out and just drive out in a cart, drop the ball in the middle of the green and see if you just hit it to the middle of the green, what kind of putt you would have. I guarantee you, you'll hit from, if you hit the, land the ball in the middle of every green based off of where the pins are going to be for 18 holes, you're probably going to hit, you're going to hit some good shots doing that based off of where the pin is. But what you're not going to do is you're not going to miss greens and stuff. So actually going around your home course before you play and getting into that mental frame of mind, um, where you want to hit the golf ball. I think so many of us go out on the golf course, what I was talking about earlier with Pat Perez, and all we do is think about where we don't want to hit the golf ball, right? We don't want to hit it in this direction. We don't want to hit it in that direction. We don't want to hit it in the water. We don't want to hit it into um, the bunkers. How about doing the opposite? How about standing up on the first hole and saying, this is where I want to hit the golf ball. Obviously, you're not going to do that every time, right? We're not tour players. We're not Tiger Woods, we're not Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, right? We may not have the command and control that the best players in the world do. But one of the things that we do have command and control over is the way that we think about the shots that we're hitting. So stand up and say, okay, this is where I want and I'm going to try and hit the golf ball. And if you don't do that, Keep trying to do that because I think what so many golfers do, I heard Bob Rotella once, um, Bob Rotella, the great you know golf sports psychologist would love players to go to the golf course with no swing thoughts, none, which is very, very difficult to do. And, but he will, and I was, I was working with Trevor Immelman, who's been on the pod before. Um, I was working with Trevor and Trevor was working with Rotella and Rotella said, listen, want you to go to the golf course with one swing thought. And Trevor was like, man, I just, I can't do that. I need, I need. I need at least two, maybe even three. I just can't go to the golf course with one swing thought. And Rotella was like, I want you to go with one swing thought, but I want you to keep that one swing thought for the entire round. So if you hit a bad shot, you can't throw it out. Because I think that's what a lot of us do, right? We have a, even if we, even if we are going to plan and even if we are going to have a game plan and, and, and go to the golf course and, and, try and and stay positive you hit one bad shot and you just we all do it we throw it out now i'm gonna try something different now ah, that didn't work that didn't work. so taking one swing thought to the golf course and keeping it for 18 holes because rotella would say if you're taking swing thoughts which he doesn't want players to do he think their mind shouldn't be thinking about technique their mind should be thinking about scoring and execution but he'll let players take the one swing thought to the course but he wants you to keep it for all 18 holes because his theory is if you take it to the golf course and you make one bad swing and you throw it out, what the hell was the point of taking the swing to the golf course in the first place if you're just going to throw it out? If you're not going to stick with it. So that's another thing that getting for amateur golfers 
getting to that next level mentally is saying, okay, what is, what is the key thing I need to, to do today on the golf course, right? What is my one swing thought? And then I'm going to take that one swing thought and I'm going to keep that one swing thought for 18 holes, regardless of what the outcome is. I'm going to stand on every tee box, on every par four, every par five, every par three, and I'm going to have intent, intention. I'm going to have an idea of what I try, I'm trying to do. Okay, I'm going to pick a club. I'm going to pick a shot. I'm going to pick a shape. And I'm going to focus on trying to hit that. And if I don't do that, I'm going to pick up where I left off on the next hole and try and do the exact same thing. And I think that is a huge, huge mental shift in, in going to the golf course with positive thoughts, positive intention, as opposed to going to the golf course and just kind of winging it. And if it doesn't work, you try something else. And if it doesn't work, you try something else. And by the back nine, you've tried four or five things. And let's be honest, it's not a surprise they're not working because you're not giving them a long enough time to do it. Um, so I think that mental frame of mind on trying to stay positive, trying to stay in the present, focusing on each shot as they come, as opposed to thinking about the past or thinking about the future. Um, Cause I think that's really, really hard to do. Um, lastly, listen, tons of questions about live. I mean, obviously um, I work with three players on live at the moment. I don't currently work with any players on the PJ tour. That's not because I, don't want to be on the PJ tour. Um, I go where the players are. And currently the players I work with, um, are on live. Um, it was a really, really interesting, um, there were eight tournaments and, um, it was, it was a new experience. I mean, one of the questions I asked, I got asked, um, we've heard from live players and caddies, um, as to the differences of, of being on live, what's the differences on coaching on live? Um, and a lot of the things that I've seen about, um, you know, what's happening on live, um, a lot of the stuff that you see on golf channel that you see on TV, that you see reported are, are, are being reported and, and comments being made by people that have never experienced any of the tournaments. Um, so, um, my experience has been really, really positive. Um, it's been a really interesting uh, working environment. I mean, it's been a very, very different working environment as a coach, um, than it, than it has been in the past on the PGA Tour. Um, I get to spend a lot more time with the player and the players um, during practice rounds from start to finish. Um, we have tended to kind of um, stay in the same hotels. We're driving to the golf course at the same time. One of the game changers is um, we get to the golf course in the morning um, and we can eat breakfast together. I can actually sit down with a player and a caddy and eat breakfast with him. Never been able to do that on the PJ tour. The players go one place, the caddies go somewhere else. The coaches, sometimes they let coaches in with what the caddies are doing, but then there have been many tournaments um, that I've worked on on the PJ tour where you're not allowed to sit with the caddies. You're not allowed to sit with the players. So that interaction, that team interaction of being able to sit down with the player and the caddy, you know, before a round, the interaction that you're able to have with a player and a caddy to sit down with them, you know, and have lunch after a round, um, that has been really, really different. Um, and it has been, in my opinion, you know, very, um, kind of game changing. Um, it's, it's, 
it's made, I think, all of us feel a little bit more like we're part of a team. Um, and then the team concept that um, a lot of people, I don't think, understand or get. Um, but as someone that has been to all of the live events, as, as someone that is coached um, and been a part of was it six winning teams, the team concept for the live guys is real. Um, Dustin Brooks, their team captains, um, they are looking at this um, in a very different way than I think they've ever looked at golf before. Um, they're looking at what the players are doing when they're on the golf course. Um, they're conscious of what the guys on their team are doing. Um, it's funny, after some of the rounds, when the guys get off, everybody finishes at the same time because of the shotgun start. So guys are finishing and, you know, DJ, who everybody thinks is kind of out there and doesn't even think, you know, he'll get out of scoring. He'll be coming out of scoring and, and Pat Perez or Taylor Gooch or Patrick Reed, the guys that are on his team, he'll say, did you, did you finish on four under? Did you finish on three under? Meaning he knows what they're doing. He's watching what their scores are doing on the golf course. Um, half the time, you know, we'd get back to the range and, you know, when we were on, on the PJ tour, somebody would be hitting balls. Hey, what'd you shoot today? It, you know, he wouldn't have a clue. So the fact that he's got guys and each of these teams have guys on their team, um, that part of it has been, uh, I didn't expect that to be as real and I sure as hell didn't expect it to be as fun as it's been. Um, it has made everybody, I mean, that's the cool thing. Um, you know, DJ's team, the four aces, we eat breakfast together. We go to the range together. We play practice rounds together. We lunch together. Um, we go out to dinner together. Um, the caddies are doing team dinners. Um, the players are doing team dinners. And then, you know, at least once a week, the entire team, players, coaches, caddies, everybody associated with these teams all get together and, and go out. Um, we never did that on the PGA Tour. Um, so that has been really, really unique and refreshing and um, a lot of fun. And um, listen, I know this whole thing, you know, between Liv and the PJ Tour is very, very political. It's very polarizing. And I, I know it, there, it's like there's a line in the sand. Um, all I know is my experience on Liv was great this year. Um, and I think the frustrating thing for me is... Um, I saw some unbelievable golf being played. Um, I really, really did. Um, and I don't, listen, I have seen, I've, I've, I've been a part of seven major championship teams. I have worked with and helped on a team to get two separate players to number one in the world. And I've probably helped players win over 50 tournaments. Um, I know what good golf is. I know what good golf shots are. Um, and I saw some unbelievable golf this year on live. Um, I saw some unbelievable golf this year on the PGA tour and I, I love golf, right? I love watching golf swings. I love watching players. I love watching players stand up and hit shots. Um, and I've seen that this year. Um, and I've, I've been impressed with the golf that I've seen. Um, I've been so impressed in being able to watch Cam Smith play up close. Um, it, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to watch some of the players that, yeah, okay, it's easy to look at 
a guy like Peter Uline. I mean, every time Peter Uline plays good now on live, everybody just says, well, he couldn't win on the PGA Tour and he couldn't do this and he couldn't do that. Okay, fine. If that's the narrative you've got, fine. But the way Peter Uline has played this year and, and the confidence he's taken, um, it's been fun to watch. Um, I got to watch, you know, a bunch of players whose, you know, names that I struggle to pronounce. I got to watch them, you know, from Asia um, that aren't household names that maybe everybody doesn't know. But I've gotten to watch these kids play golf, um, watch them, watch their golf swings, watch them practice. Um, and that's what turns me on. I'm, I'm a fan of golf. I'm a fan of golfers. Um, I'm a fan of golf swings. And, um, you know, I don't, I had a lot of people ask me questions, where all does this play out? You know, what happens moving forward? Listen, I, I, I wish I knew the answer to that question. I, I don't know. Um, but what I do know is, um, I think live is here to stay. Um, I think the PGA tour is not going anywhere. I think the new schedule, the elevated events and all the things that have changed this year in this crazy, crazy year of, of, of professional golf. Um, I think we're going to see a very, very strong PGA tour next year. Um, I think, you know, the PGA tour has so many good players playing on it. You know, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, you know, if you look at the players that play on the PGA Tour right now, I mean, they've got some of the best players in the world. I believe that Liv has some of the best players in the world as well. And I personally believe that they can both be true at the same time. The PGA Tour can do what it does. Liv can do what it does. And if you're a fan of one, that's fine. If you're not a fan of the other, that's okay too. I mean, that's, I don't have a problem with that. If there are people that don't like live for whatever the reasons are, that's, that's your choice. That's your prerogative. If you are a fan of what's happening on live and you like it and you're watching and it appeals to you, that's cool too. But, um, I hope that in 2023 we see, um, I'd like to see less animosity between the players. Um, because to me, I support players. I support players competing, playing, and I also, also massively support every professional golfer and professional athlete making money. I have no problem with it because when you're in sports at the highest level as a coach like I am, you realize that you can't fake it and phone it in. You, it, just, it just doesn't happen. You have to stand up and hit shots when it counts. And you have to play good, right? And yeah, the money they're playing on at Live is more than they're playing on at the PJ Tour. So there are some guys that made a lot of money. Um, but they didn't make a lot of money because they can't play. Um, and that, no joke, that goes towards the 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 anti-Live pinata you know, Pat Perez. Yeah, Pat wishes he would have played better in some tournaments this this year, for sure. But to make out like this guy's a bum and he's got no talent and he's just riding DJ's coattails, I, I think if that's your opinion, um, I think you're misinformed as to what's actually happening um, because I, I, I just don't see that. Um, and like I said, I'm a fan of golf and um, I'll continue to be a fan of golf, whether it's on the PJ Tour whether it's on live, whether it's on the DP world tour, whether it's in Asia, whether it's on the LPGA, whether it's on the champs tour, I'm a fan of golf. 
and I am a fan of golfers first and foremost. And hopefully in 2023, um, some of the the aggressive um, us against them, them against us, maybe some of that changes. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I'm naive in thinking that. I don't know. But I saw some great golf um, on all the tours this year. And, you know, as we're going into off season now, the PGA Tour has got a couple of weeks left. LPGA not long and lives off until next year. Hopefully in this off season, you know, everybody takes a step back and um, hopefully we can get talk, get back to talking about players hitting great shots and winning tournaments regardless of where that is. Um, because like I said, I'm a fan of golf. I know everybody is and, and hopefully cooler heads will prevail. So I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, if you like the the questions shows, um, let me know on social because I'm happy to do more of these and, and happy to, to devote some, you know, maybe some shorter episodes to just questions, um, no guests, and you guys get an opportunity to hear what, what I think about golf. So um, thanks everyone for listening. Son of a Butch comes to you every Wednesday. We'll see you next week.